0: On the 22nd of November 1963, President J.F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. The news spread so rapidly that before night, it had reached the shores of Lough Erne. And I'll never forget the young man that brought the news to me and to others that were standing with me on that date. I can see him yet over all those years. I remember where I was the moment I heard the news of uh, Sir Winston Churchill passing away. I was taking a mug of tea in the old farmhouse about to go out to do a milk run on my father's lorry, and the old battery radio crackled and The news came through at nine o'clock in the morning that Sir Winston Churchill had died. I'll never forget what the the newscaster said after that. I'll always remember. And what he said after that was, Churchill has lost the greatest battle of all time. Those words sank in me. I remember where I was on the eleventh of september two thousand and one I was walking up the lane, whenever Pat came down to meet me and told me about the bombings of the Twin Towers in New York City. Dates and times and events that shook the world, shook the nations, shake our lives will always be etched upon our minds and our memories. But all these events, let me say to you tonight, and thousands more, will fall into oblivion and insignificance compared to the event that's yet going to happen very shortly some of these days, and that is the rapture of the church the Bible tells us very clearly that suddenly there'll be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, there'll be the catching up of every true born-again believer. Everyone born again from the four corners of the earth will be taken up and taken out. The trumpet shall sound, the angel shall signal, and the Lord shall shout, and we, the saints of the Lord, shall be gone to be with the Lord forever. Every news channel, every internet facility, every radio program will be interrupted, dominated, updated with news flashes of the great event that has happened. Pandemonium and chaos will reign worldwide. The air will be filled with terror and fears and hearts and homes will shake. Mothers will scream and wail for their babies whipped from under the nose, out of cots, out of prams, out of buggies, out of beds. Like the resurrection clothing of our Lord Jesus, the clothing will remain. Teenagers and children will come home from their school and their college and then they'll run from room to room crying for their mums and dads. Fathers will frantically yell for their sons and mothers for their daughters. Say, bus drivers, car drivers, train drivers, airline pilots will be sucked out just like a great vacuum in less than the twinkling of an eye. Reports of thousands of incidents of major catastrophes Round the world will be heard. Thousands of telephone conversations will end in midair. Lines will go dead. Ambulances and police sirens will be heard everywhere. A time of disaster that Jesus Christ Himself said the like of has never been seen since the world began or never will, is about to follow the rapture of the church. Yes, it's called the rapture of the church. It's the snatching away, the sudden taking out of the believers in Christ. The curtain will come down, the day of grace will end, the lights will be out, the partying will be over. Christ's rejectors will be doomed. And if you're not saved in this meeting tonight... You'll have to join that throng. The Lord's second coming, according to the Scripture, is in two stages. Any moment now, he's going to come to the air, call his people out and evacuate us from this war zone. And I say to you again tonight, sinner, and I know that there's way over a thousand people have hit these on the internet, and so wherever you're listening tonight, Let me say, sinner, to you tonight of all the mistakes and all the regrets that you have in your lifetime, and we all have some, and we all, maybe more, have many, but you'll never have a regret like this. The moment that this happens right through the countless ages of eternity in the burning hell, you'll remember that day. Just as I remembered the day J.F. Kennedy was shot and Winston Churchill died, and the Twin Towers were blew down. You'll remember the day, you'll remember where you were, and you'll remember what happened, and you'll repent and you'll cry, but it'll be too late. And that's why these meetings are being convened. It will be too late for you, sinner. No matter what you do, it will be too late. And we're right into the tribulation period of seven years. The kings of the earth and the great men and the mighty men will cry on the mountains and the rocks to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb that's come. And after the seven years period when the church shall be in heaven and all hell will break on this earth, the Lord with his saints will come back to the Mount of Olives and set up his millennial reign. And we, the saints, shall reign with him, as I said, throughout the countless ages of eternity. And then we'll see what's going to happen. And we're going to see next week of the Brexit, and we're going to see of the beast, and we're going to see of this whole European thing being smashed. And I'm looking forward to that wherever I'll be. I'll shout hallelujah when the devil and the false prophet is cast into the burning lake of fire and chain for a thousand years. Now the coming of the Lord is in two stages, as I said. And I wanted you to look at the verse 13 of Titus chapter 2. And I hope you have your Bible open. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Look at what Paul says here. Looking for that blessed hope. Now let me stop there. I tell you that is the rapture. That is the snatching away of the church, and it's a blessed hope. I tell you, it's a blessing to know that we're not going to be here when we have to take the mark of the beast. It's going to be a blessing when we'll not be here with all the turmoil and all the trouble and all the evil and wickedness. Is bad enough now, but what will it not be like then when the salt of the earth and the light of the world moves out and the Spirit of God goes? My friend, it doesn't bear thinking about This is the rapture in the first part. This verse is separated with seven years. This is the rapture. And then you have the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior. That's when he comes back again with us to the Mount of Olives that I've been talking to you about. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the revelation The verse, one of the verses, and there are many for that, let me give it to you, you needn't turn to it. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall mourn because of him. And just to bring you, to give you a wee bit of teaching and a wee bit of help tonight, those of you who are struggling along the way, let, just look at verse 14, the next verse to it, who gave himself for us. That is substitution. That is Jesus Christ taking our place and dying for us. Died he for me, Wesley said, died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That's substitution. He give himself. And then you have redemption. He has redeemed us. Oh, this is a wonderful verse. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. All our sins were laid upon him at Calvary. All our sins and iniquity are cast into the sea of his forgetfulness. And then it goes on again and it says to purify us, purify unto him a peculiar people. That's purification. Doesn't it say in that verse there that he's the great God and he's the great Savior? And I tell you, this is a great salvation. And how shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? What a great Savior he is. What a great God he is that has planned such a plan of salvation for us. And sinner, how? Answer that question. How shall you escape if you neglect it? For I know of nothing else or no one else that can save you, take away your sins, give you peace with God, give you assurance of heaven, and bless you forever. You tell me if you know of any other way. Muhammad can't do it. Jehovah Witnesses can't do it. The Mormons can't do it. What can take a man and take him out of his sin and out of his wickedness and cleanse him and set him free and gloriously free and keep him down through the years of time? Blessed be the name, nobody but the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now tonight, I want us to look at what three men in the Word of God says about the rapture and the tribulation. First of all, we're going to the man himself, our Lord Jesus. So turn a couple of pages to Revelation chapter three, please. Just not a very many pages to turn. Revelation chapter three and the verse ten. We're going to show you tonight what these three men said about the uh, tribulation and about the rapture of the church. Our Lord Jesus is speaking here and he's writing to the churches of Asia Minor. This is the sixth church, the church at Philadelphia. And he is a message for each church and we're breaking in here at this sixth church and we're breaking in at the verse 10. Now watch this verse very carefully. Jesus saying to this church and to this people and to us, for these churches represent us, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Now, let me stop a moment there again. I have written over this phrase, a patient endurance of the word. Now, look at the verse again. Look at what it says. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. And I want to speak to some dear believer tonight in this gathering, because I have tried in all these messages to Uh, hit everybody and hit the needs uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit I want to speak to some dear believer tonight somewhere or believers listening to me many have been the storms many have been the trials and the afflictions that you have patiently bore and God only knows that we have been through hell and back some of us in this old life and you know very well that there's been days and there's been nights and there's been times that you've been in the teeth of the gale when, the, when you've wept and you've cried over family, over health, over situations. And it seems to get worse as the time goes on. There's days when the old boat, as it were, were filled with water. But you held tight to the Word. And I want to encourage you tonight, hold on to the Word of God. Abraham, after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Listen, the best has yet to come. The best has yet to be. All the demons in hell can't shake us if we hold on to the Word of God. We're anchored in Jesus, anchored in Him, anchored in the Word. Keep at the Word. Keep reading the Word. Keep quoting the Word. Keep believing the Word. Maybe there's somebody here tonight Maybe there's someone listening to me, mate, and you're just about to jack in the whole thing. You're tired and you're weary and you're worn and sad. But you know, the Word of God tells me in another place, he that believeth shall not make haste. So God, I just encourage you to hold on. I don't know what your problems, what your trials, I don't know what you are going through tonight. But hold on, stay where you are. Don't despise the day of small things. You see, it's easy to run. And let me say this tonight, and I say it with a heavy heart, our province is full of new churches and fellowships where men and women have forsaken the old truth tonight. And they've just ran, and they've just abandoned these old truths of God, the ruination through sin, the redemption through the blood, and the faith in Christ, and... These old doctrines of the second coming, you never hear them preached. Very seldom you hear this doctrine being lifted up today in many of our churches. Nor do you hear the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Nor do you hear preaching on holiness. And people want their ears tickled and they want to run to this face and they want want the band and they want the drums and they want all the rest of it, but they don't want truth. And that's the day we're living in. And until we get back to the Word and to the old paths and the old ways and start believing God again and start preaching these old truths, we're going to go on down and down and down the way we're going. A patient endurance of the Word. Hold tight. Secondly, you'll see in this verse, because I was kept the Word of my patient, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Now that's the hour of tribulation. That's the seven years tribulation. That word temptation, you'll trace it and you'll find it's tribulation. So I have written over that a protected assurance of the Lord. I also, this is the Lord Jesus now. Don't be listening to men and all their views on different doctrines. Listen to the Lord. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them when they dwell on the earth. The hour of temptation. The hour of tribulation. These awful years that are going to come upon the unsaved and the ungodly. When, 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 when the evil will be so great, God will afflict and he'll punish and destroy the world. But here's what Jesus, look at the word, look at the word that he says. He says, I will keep you. Now that word keep is a military word. It means to guard and protect with all diligence. If I had no other word and I have the dozens of them in this word to say that the church will not go through the tribulation, that would do me because it's the word of the Lord. I will keep you from. He's speaking to the saints of God. He says, I'll not keep you in it. I'll not keep you up to it. I'll not keep you after it. This is our blessed hope. He says, I will keep you from that hour. I'll keep you from that danger. I'll keep you from those awful works of the Antichrist. I will have you out. I will have you home. I will have you with me. So it behoves us to hold on because any moment now he can burst the clouds and descend the slopes of the sky and come again. But you not only see a patient endurance of the Word and a protected assurance from the Lord. You see a personal appearance of the Savior. Now look at that, verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Just like a flash after the ministry of the temptation and the tribulation of what's going to come upon the world, just like a flash, in case there'd be any mistake, in case there'd be any doubt, just like a flash, he comes in. He says, I will come quickly. Six times the Lord Jesus says, I will come quickly. It's behind me here. Six times, he says it here in in Revelation. Six times altogether. This same Jesus whom you see go from the Mount of Olives, this same Jesus whom you see go will come again. He's the same Jesus. He's the same man and he's coming back to the same mountain. and He's coming back with the saints to reign. He comes for them. How can he come with them if he doesn't come for them? My friend, we're so close. We're so near. You look, there's not one prophetical scripture to be fulfilled before the Lord bursts the cloud and takes the church out. The only thing that's holding him back is patience. The only thing that's holding him back is grace. The only thing that's holding him back is love. Maybe the only thing that's holding him back is you, sinner. He doesn't want you to go to hell because it's not his will that Annie would perish. He doesn't want you to go into this. He doesn't want you to go through this. He doesn't want you to take the mark of the beast. He doesn't want you to go down into the caverns of the dam and forever be there. He wants you to be at home in heaven with your mother, with your father, with your brothers, with your sisters, and with your family. This same Jesus, he went in the body, he'll come in the body. He's the same Jesus. Not Archangel Gabriel, it's not Michael. It's Jesus. He says, I will come. I I will, put a, put a hit every word, I will come quickly. He went in the body, he'll come in the body. He went suddenly, he'll come suddenly. He went visibly, he'll come visibly. You know, prophetical doctrine has always joined with practical doctrine. And people want the prophetical doctrine but they don't want the they don't want the practical doctrine. Look at, look at what it says look at look at what he says here in verse eleven Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that such which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Now, believer, there are five crowns in the scripture for the believers. You know, the day and the moment you were saved, from that moment you were saved, a you have an accountability to the Lord. It's not a matter of being saved and going to heaven. God has called you. God has saved you. God has gifted you. God has given you something to do. There's crowns to be won. And the crown that he's speaking about here is the crown of righteousness. Listen to what Paul says in Timothy. For I am now ready to be offered for the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? There's a crown for loving the appearance of the Lord. But you can't love his appearance if you don't love him here. If you don't surrender as we're hearing this morning and die to the world and die to the things of the world and love him with all your heart and love Are you watching for his appearance? Are you waiting for his appearance? Are you ready for his appearance? For there's a crown. And he says, let no man take your crown. And any of these five crowns can be taken by men. I don't want to go to heaven and see some other man wearing a crown that belonged to me. doesn't say the devil will take it. He says, let no man take your crown. And if God has saved me and called me and given me a gift and given me something to do and you to do, whatever it is, you need to find it out. But I tell you, if you don't follow it, if you don't do it, if you don't obey the word of the Lord, there'll be no crown. But he'll take somebody else up and he'll use them to do what you should do. And in the glory you'll see that man or that woman with the crown. that should have been yours. I tell you, that should waken up the sleeping saints and the sleeping church that's what Jesus says that's what he says see what John says turn a verse a page to chapter 4 of Revelation if you have not your Bible just listen to the word chapter 4 and verse 1 watch how it starts here after this I looked now we must stop there and say after what? Well, after he had finished speaking to these churches, and if you look up the verse, or if you have to turn the page to verse 20 of the chapter before it, Revelation 3 and verse 20, there's this famous favorite verse, very often misquoted. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Notice the wee word sup, it's supper time. And supper time here is the last meal of the day. It's night, it's late, it's dark. And so it is, my friends, spiritually, because when we go down to chapter 4 and verse 1, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And I heard a voice, which I heard, was it with the voice of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Here you are now, here's the rapture, come up hither. And you'll never read of the church after that in Revelation 4 on earth. She's gone there between verse 20 and from the end of chapter 3 to the beginning of chapter 4. Come up hither. That's the shout. The trumpet shall sound. You see, the trumpet shall sound. Come up hither. And John says, I saw a door open in heaven. And my friend, the, heaven, the door of heaven's open tonight, but it's going to be shut someday. It's open for sinners. Whenever the Lord Jesus cried finished on the place called Calvary, heaven's door was open for sinners. And down through these 2,000 years and more, men and women have been coming in by thousands by faith, by faith. But we're going in one day by, not by faith, but by sight, and we're going to see it. When the dead in Christ shall rise forth, that old mother, that old father, that young lad a young baby that you put into the grave, that young child that hadn't come to the years of understanding. And thank God there's going to be many of them. And I thank God as I look at we Jonah here right in the background. 15, 17 years of age with the mind of a five year old. I'll tell you this, he'll be in the glory. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to finish with that soon. What a day that will be. And he says, "I saw a door opened in heaven. And that doors open at the moment. but you know there's going to come a moment when that door will shut. And that door will shut the moment the saints go home, and it'll be too late. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We speak that to sinners, but it's addressed to saints, but we can't preach it to sinners. I often do. And I'm saying to you, sinner, tonight, he's knocking at your heart's door. It's late. It's dark. It's supper time. And the breath will be gone. Just take a wee minute to let that sink in now. You frittered about and fiddled about long enough and tinkered about with sin long enough. Made a false profession and nothing in it. I'll tell you, you'll not be caught up, you'll be caught out. We can sing all we like and we can do all we like and go to as many meetings as we like. But are you sure and 100% certain tonight that the trumpet was the sound And the Lord Jesus was to shout, Would you go up? And that door's open tonight for sinners to come. Come up hither. It's supper time, it's late, it's dark, it's time to come, young man, it's time to come to Christ. When you're running through the house looking for your mother, when you're driving along the road and she goes up on the drive in the wheel of the car and you hit the ditch, Oh, what an awful tragedy and calamities will be that day. There's nowhere in the Word promised that he's going to safeguard anybody. If you reject Christ down to the years and reject preaching of the gospel and you say, I'll not have this man to rule over me, you'll have to take what's coming. If you turn against the Christ that hung naked on the cross of Calvary, crowned with thorns, battered and bludgeoned there for your sin, the Son of God, the Creator of all things, if you laugh at Him, spit on Him, uh, reject Him, then you'll go to hell. And you can sing all the choruses you like, but you'll go to hell. And you'll remember this meeting, and you'll remember many meetings, and you'll remember the gospel talks, and you'll remember the people that witnessed to you, and you'll remember your old mother and your old father, and you'll be left to the devil. Oh, young person tonight, you couldn't be too young to cry to God. This is serious business. This is not a fairy story. This is not fantasy. This is not something made up. This is from the Word of God. You're reading it from the Word of God. You see, John says, I saw a throne set in heaven and one that sat on it. And he saw the Lord Jesus. Read on down through those verses. I tell you tonight, the Lord's on the throne and I'm glad. I'm glad that he's on the throne when I look around me and see all that's going on tonight. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 2. Why do the heathen imagine the vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Christ saying, let us cast our bands asunder. These kings and these rulers, I'll tell you who they we know well who they are. Putin in Russia, Assad in Syria, King Jong-un or whatever you call him in North Korea. The dictators and the uh, democrats and the bureaucrats of, of Europe who hate God. And that's what they're saying tonight, let us break their bands asunder. Godless Europe tonight. Let us cast away God from us. But that psalm says that he that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The only place in the Scripture where we read of the Lord laughing, and he's laughing tonight. And they're saying tonight we'll not have this man to rule over us They hate God. And we were told the other night about the hundreds and hundreds of CDs that have gone out from this place on the the internet that has gone out the messages into nearly every country of the world. They're listening to it in India. They're listening to it in Germany. They're listening to them all over. And and there wasn't one skate from Europe. Godless Europe. God next week we will see that God will We'll put an end to them. And all we see tonight, and I, I say this with a heavy heart tonight, all we see tonight, and God bless and help the families of those Muslims that were killed in, in, over there in New Zealand, was a 65 of them slaughtered, murdered. God helped them. And I prayed for them and prayed for them for the, from this pulpit on that morning. But let me tell you something. Fox News reported the day before that there were 2,000 Christians crucified and there wasn't a word about them. 2,000 Christians crucified Pakistan in Iran. That was Fox News, a secular news channel. Crucified for their faith. Not a word about them. The confusion and the embarrassment and the humiliation and the shame that you saw in the House of Commons in the past week and you're going to see more of it because God's in the process of humbling that crowd. That's the due rewards of their iniquity. You don't slay 10 million children from 1967 in the mother's womb and get off with it. You don't legalize gay marriages and get off with it. You don't bring down the age of consent for Sodomites and get off with it. You don't throw the Bible out of Parliament and out of schools and out of hospitals and out of, out of, out of uh, hotel bedrooms and get off with it. Righteousness exalted the nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Godless Britain and the judgment of God is upon us a sure suit. You see them run and turn and froin and arguing and fighting, there doesn't seem to be any shame in them. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. I'm glad that God's on the throne. Now, we have a few minutes left. Turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. Take your time. You're very, listening very well. Turn back past Titus Timothy to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 13. We'll have you out at 8 o'clock there's a cup of tea if you like to stay you'll be very welcome Paul writing here his, his Paul's account one of them we'll be dealing with others next week but I would not have you verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4 I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that's another word for those that have died that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now I call this these here the sobbing saints or the sorrowing saints. And obviously what has happened here, some of them have just laid a loved one in death. They've gone to sleep in death. Christians, buried. Maybe a son, maybe a daughter, maybe a mother, maybe a father. They've fallen asleep in Christ. And you know, they think that's the end because they had no teaching very much, although they knew. And they have no teaching very much and they think when they lay that body down into the grave that that's the end of it. But my dear friend, that's not the end. Those are only the remains. Those are only what's left. If we have funerals here, those are, that's all that's left. The remain is what's remaining. The body's down into the grave, and the body's asleep, but the soul's not asleep. And don't listen to the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormon talking about soul sleep. For the moment that a saint of God dies, it's absent from the body, present with the Lord. The spirit moves out and into the presence of the Lord, and it's, uh, to be with the Lord, which is far better. And the spirit will be there and the body's here. And the body at the rapture will join the spirit. And the spirit and the body and the soul will go to heaven to be with him. They're only sleeping. And Paul says, don't be sorrowing. And all we have to sorrow and we do sorrow around the grave. Of course we do. But he says we don't sorrow as others sorrow with no hope. We have the blessed hope. And when we come to the grave of a saved loved one, my friend, it's wonderful to know that we have the blessed hope that one day we're going to see them as only for a short time. One day we're going to see them again. Not that wee one that you lost, Mother, I'll tell you this, you'll see her again and him again. And that old dear husband and dear wife that parted, it was far better for them than the old cancerous bodies that they were in, let me tell you. And their souls sleep, but they're going to get new bodies one day. Like unto His glorious body, Hallelujah! There'll be no arthritis and no rheumatism, no blindness. We'll have completely new bodies. Look at the look at the scriptures again. We're feeding on the Word now. This is what we need to do. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now the scripture speaks for itself. Verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. Hallelujah. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself, here we are again, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, then, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Sobbing saints. Saints of God that have gone long ago, and we wept over them. But this is going to be a day of rejoicing. This is going to be a day when, when there's going to be victory all around us, my friend. That they are dead, and Christ shall rise for us, just because they're a bit lower down than when we are. And just as they're coming up to your level and to our level, that Jesus was to come tonight and the trumpet was to sound tonight, just as they come up, don't worry about roofs and don't worry about doors and don't worry about anything else. You're dealing in the spiritual realm. You're dealing with God. And the graves shall be open. And those Christians even that disobeyed God and were cremated, I'll tell you, their ashes will be brought back and their body will come. And the dead in the seas that the sharks have eaten. God that brought man and woman from dust, let me tell you this. He'll bring them from ashes. And we're talking about the believers now. We'll be talking about the unbelievers and the great judgment that's coming for them. Because that's going to be an awful day. You'll not be in this gathering, my friend, if you're not saved. You'll not be get snatched up to take the Lord to meet the Lord in the air, don't you think it for one moment? That you can reject the Lord and the Gospel and the blood of Christ and live a life of sin all your life and go to heaven? No, oh, sir. Nothing that the vilest shall enter. And so the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Oh what a reunion that will be, and we'll touch that before we finish too about the reunion and the Mary's supper of the lamb. My, I tell you it'll be wonderful. It'll be wonderful. We'll sit down with Isaac and Abram and with Jacob. We'll sit down with our mothers and our fathers and the ones that gone before. But will you be there? Will you be there? That's what Paul says about the rapture. Now watch the verse again, for verse 16, for the Lord himself, not the angel Gabriel or anybody else, for the Lord himself. Himself, hallelujah, himself. He's still living, you know, he's alive. He hasn't changed one iota. The same Jesus. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. You know, there were three times that the Lord Jesus Christ shouted. And you said to me, gentle, Jesus didn't shout. Yes, he did three times. And the three times were to do with death. And the three times were to do with resurrection. At the grave of Lazarus, remember, he was four days dead. And the Bible says he was stinking. And the two sisters were weeping round the grave. Jesus wept, but he didn't weep in the same manner as they were weeping. He wasn't weeping because he wouldn't see them again. He was weeping because of sin. Because sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. And I'll tell you, that shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, he was weeping, he was thinking about the cross because that was the only way he was going to solve this problem. No, no, he wasn't weeping because he's going to raise, raise Lazarus again. What would he be weeping for? And remember, he stood at the grave of Lazarus that day, and with a loud voice he shouted, "Lazarus, come forth!" And up he rose. And as he hung on Calvary's cross, my friend, he shouted with a loud voice, "Finished! Death and hell were destroyed." And this is the third shout. You could hear tonight. a shout. And then there's a span. It says in verse 17, So shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there's the solace. Comfort one another with these words. That's, that word comfort is the same word used for the Holy Spirit. How could you comfort anybody that's going through the tribulation? How could you begin to comfort? Oh, a boy told me the other day, he says, I'm going through half of the tribulation. And I says, I'll see you. When I was saying goodbye to him, he says, I'll see you halfway through the rapture. How could you comfort anybody with taking the mark of the beast upon them? and this spirit of antichrist that's now working is going to be let loose when there'll be no restraint on immorality infidelity have no comfort to me no no comfort one another with these words that's what I'm doing tonight comforting you with these words believer. This is the blessed hope. Tribulation is not a blessed hope. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll never leave him again. When he comes back to the Mount of Olives, we shall come back with him. And we shall reign with him where'er the sun does his successive journey run. And then forever we shall be with the Lord. We'll never lose sight of him after that for all eternity. How shall we know him? By the nail prints in his hand. Calvary. Let me finish like this. Going back to where we started. For all eternity sinner wherever you are tonight across the globe remember this wherever you are wherever you will be at that moment that the trumpet sounds and the angel signals and Jesus shouts you'll remember throughout eternity Those scenes will never leave you. Many years ago, in one of the northern states of Canada, a terrible incident happened. Let me take you back. To the mental asylum in that state. To where the governor of the mental uh, lunatic asylum, it was called then. Mental asylum, when the governor was leaving, a new man came in. And he was introducing him to the inmates. And many of them, they couldn't open the door. They had to look in through. And when they opened back the hatch, they cursed them. They laughed at them. And then they came on down, sail after sail, and they opened the hatch and the man looked in. And all he could see was a young man walking back and forth. And we sailed back and forward, padded sail, back and forward. And he was saying two words, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, what's, what's the story of this man? Well, he said that man was in charge of a river crossing. where the train went over and the boats went out, the ships went out to sea. And his job was to lift up the railway line, mechanically lift it up to let the boats out, put it down to let the train over, trains over. He said he was in his post one day and the captain of a big ship came down And shouted out to him, he says, son, I need to get out with the tide. No, he says, I can't, there's a train coming. There's a train coming with mothers and children on a Sunday school excursion. He says, I wouldn't have it down in time for them. But he says, Son, you would have plenty of time. It'll not take that long. Just lift her up and let us out. And that man pressed the thing and lifted her up. And the boy honked the boat horn and moved out towards the sea. And just as it was starting to come down, he saw and heard the train come. And hundreds plunged to the, it's an annual, annals of history, hundreds plunged to their death. Men, women, and children on a Sunday school excursion. And he put his hand on his head, that young man, and he says, if only what he was going to say after that, we don't know. And those things lodged in his mind until his dying day, all he would say. If only if only if only and that will be your cry, sinner, for out eternity. Jesus was to come tonight, and you're not saved. Let us pray. Now every head bowed and every eye closed. These are serious moments. I haven't made an appeal. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or nod your head. I'm just asking you to to take a wee moment and pause and think. Are you saved tonight? Are you sure you're saved? Are you certain that you're saved? Supposition's the most dangerous thing. Don't suppose. Don't think because you prayed a wee prayer with your mother one day. You will know yourself. Loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll remove from us tonight anything that has not been from thyself. But Lord, we have faced your word fairly and squarely, Lord, we see that these are not days or moments for trifling with truth. Father, we ask tonight young people and older people and those listening afar off from here will turn up in the glory as a result of this word. A phone a only. a phone a phone phone a phone. O God, have mercy, have mercy, Lord. Amen.